Thank you, Paul. I, I, I know we had some te technical difficulties there. I really appreciate you um, working through this. Um, definitely a good sign of your mindset. Yes. Win-win. Win -win. Good, good. So my name is Raphael. I'm the host of Change Your Mindset and Continuous Improvement. And I'm, today I'm joined by none other, Mr. Paul Glenn from Sliding Paradigms. Hello, Paul. Hello, hello, Raphael. It's a, a pleasure to be in your call. So uh, thank, thank you very much, and I appreciate. You know, let, let me tell you, some of the technical difficulties that we had a little bit. I was trying to use Anchor, uh, nonetheless, um, didn't work. Uh, Paul was graciously patient and worked through this problem. Um, kind of a testament of what his thinking or his mindset is. Hey, let's find a solution, provided some options, and here we are on this call. So thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So, Paul, so tell me a little bit about your background a little bit. What got you into continuous improvement? How were you as a kid growing up? How did, how does it, how did you get into it? Okay. So, so for me, um, I'm actually, uh, before 2007, um, I actually, like 2007 was my aha moment. And that's exactly when I got into, into continuous improvement. Uh, prior to that, um, I'd been working in the manufacturing industry since 1989, and I'd held a, a middle management role in a large cable manufacturing company in Derby in the UK. And I'd, I'd used various different techniques to, to manage my workplace, to manage the people that I was responsible for, the processes and the machines. Um, but none of them were ever related to true continuous improvement or, you know, that magical word lean, lean manufacturing. They had nothing to do with, uh, with lean or continuous improvement. Um, they were very traditional, old fashioned ways. And what happened was in 2007, um, the, the company that I worked for took on a new managing director, a guy called Ian Rice, and he had prior to coming into our business he had been like heavily um, using uh, lean manufacturing and continuous improvement and um, when he when he came into our plant he spent a number of weeks walking around just observing and and listening to people listening to problems and you know in fact I remember them early days we was watching him and thinking what's going off in this guy's mind and basically what was happening was he saw a massive opportunity for us to improve what we were doing by embracing uh, lean and a philosophy of continuous improvement. So after a few weeks of him taking his role as MD, he brought in a, a consultancy company called TBM, which are, they're an American based company. They're not massive, but they're, 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 they're fairly big. I think they've got well over a hundred consultants under their belt and they operate globally. And there was uh, two people from TBM that stood out for me. One guy was a guy called Chris Parnham and the other one was a guy called Simon Law. And they, they came into our plant and basically gave us like a, 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 a fast paced awareness of what continuous improvement is and what lean manufacturing was. So, I reluctantly, because I was stuck in my ways, I was not. <laughs> and sometimes we all are. 
Yeah, yeah. I was definitely not an open-minded guy back then. Um, I was not willing to just jump on the, the wagon of change. Um, but I w it was mandatory. Everybody had to attend one of these um, continuous improvement lean awareness workshops. So I went along reluctantly. And, but within only a couple of hours, I, I think that the, the workshop actually lasted a couple of days. Uh, but within a couple of hours, I started to see some very simple and practical methods and tools that can be used and different um, ways of looking at processes and working together in teams that literally gave me these aha moments. And I, all of a sudden, I kind of like fell in love. I fell in love with CI and I fell in love with the idea of using lean tools. Um, so that's pretty much where I came into it. And the, after the awareness workshops, so the whole plant, it was about 180 people worked in the plant and almost everybody had to come and attend one of these workshops. And once they had been um, fulfilled, um, the, the senior management were asking for volunteers to get involved in helping the consultancy company, TBM, um, engage us in some lean activity. Uh, and the, the main activity was Kaiser. Uh, so my hand went up and I volunteered and I got, uh, I got, I got in there, got my hands dirty in the so, Kaiser. So, so you mentioned the aha moment. What was that aha moment or that spark that, that led you into that, into what you're doing now, that passion, that drive? I, th I think, I think for me, it was a combination of a few things. One was the, how, when continuous improvement is done properly, then you're basically engaging people, but you're engaging cross-functional people. So I was sat in a room for the first time and instead of just being people from my area of working, there was HR people in the room, there was engineering people in the room, there was senior management, middle management, there was people from the shop floor. So it was a real cross-functional group of people and, and it's always been about this cross-functional group of people. So I think that what drew me in was that ability to belong to a group of people that are representing the whole organization in just a small team and then being empowered to make change happen. And I think that that was it in an essence. Well, that's good. I, th I think for me, one of, one of the, uh, the, the change for me or that aha moment is when I was a junior leader and I was told to figure it out. You know, as, as leaders, especially as junior leaders, you're thrown into the mix and, you're, and they tell you, go figure it out. You know, I didn't like that feeling at all of, of being a junior leader and, and being thrown in the mix and figure it out. I really thought they were going to go and train me and, and do all these things. But unfortunately I had to figure it out and it took me a lot of, of um, a lot of experiences, a lot of uh, trial and error to do that. And I think that was my specific aha moment to go into, you know, either management or lean or continuous improvement. I mean, that's what I've been doing for the past many years. But, but in your experience, now that we, I know and understand where you're, what your perspective and you're coming from, and I see that you're doing a lot of it now. Is that correct? You're doing a lot of engagements or 
CI continuous improvement with organizations? I, I, absolutely. So, okay. yeah, I, I mean, I, I, th this is 100% of my, uh, of my work in life. And sure, sure. So, so in that, what do you think is the, either the biggest or most common barrier or roadblock when you start talking about lean or just continuous improvement in general with either uh, senior managers, mid-level, or even with employees or with frontline supervisors? Okay, so probably um, the, the, the first barrier that I see is come straight into the senior uh, management team. Because if your senior management team uh, are not aware of continuous improvement or are not um, um, in agreement that it's, that it's needed, um, then it just, it's not going to happen. So you, it's possible in a business to have little pockets of CI happening where you'll have like a, a middle management uh, role, you know, maybe a production manager and he's responsible for maybe 10 or 20 people inside a larger organization and he can build nice little wins inside his bubble. Right. But, but I think that for an organization or a, you know, like a company to embrace CI, then the, you've first got to smash the barrier of senior management not on board. Um, and, you know, and, and linked to that is having a real need because, you know, we don't change anything we're doing unless there is a strong need to change. So I would say that there needs to be a strong, a strong need and that needs to be accompanied by um, strong support from the senior part of the business. I agree. I agree. Now uh, with that, so when you talk about need, what are, what are some of the things that you do to either highlight expose uh, creates that specific need because you're right is in my experience is that when i work with organizations they may not know right they might not know that there is a need but they 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 know there's something there but so it but based on your experience how do you how do you get the senior executives to understand that there is a need for that and um, the answer to that's really simple I, I don't, <laughs> because I, I'll be absolutely honest with you. Uh, I mean, I, I am a, by, by the very title of my job, I'm a change agent. But if the senior management team do not feel the need to embrace CI, um, then I'm not, I'm not even going to try and work with that company because the, that, that, because it's the biggest hurdle and because it's ironic that this call started where, we couldn't technically get the call going and I said, let's try this, let's try that. So there's a optimist optimism going on there where I want to get the call going. So we, we try a few things, we get it going. But from my personal experience, um, if the senior team do not, um, already feel a need to change and they do not feel a need to embrace CI, then you are banging your head against the wall to, to work with them people. Um, for me, I only work with senior uh, management managers um, when they've already had that, um, that epiphany, when they've already had that aha moment. And then, so, they, so in other words, their market might be where they've got to double their output without any serious capex spend. Then that is a massive need. 
or it could be they need to reduce their lead time by some drastic margin like uh, 100%, 300% reduction in lead. Right, right. That is a need. And all right. of a sudden, those senior managers will be on the page of how can we bring this about? And that's when I can come in. But, but I will never attempt to, to convert a senior manager who doesn't believe that he needs to change I'll never try and change that person. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree because their mindset is, is we're, we're good. We're okay. I don't need to change. Now for someone that's listening, that has a intuition, a gut feeling like they just came into a new role, they're a senior manager or even a manager. And they know they have a hunch. They, they have a feeling that something needs to change because they don't like what's going on right now. They don't like the culture. They don't like, um, the, the, their metrics or KPIs, but they know they need to do something. What would you tell that senior level manager? I mean, what would you tell that person to change their perspective or mindset? Because many times as a senior manager, again, we only do what's expected from our boss. So if they come in and go, mm, my boss doesn't embrace it, but I do, I do want to do that. What would you suggest for that person to do? Um, I, I think this comes to the, the, the word perception. So I would, I would be trying to offer them a different perception than their current perception. So uh, a lot of organizations, when they're not in that change mindset, they, they're living in a bubble, you know, because history, even recent history with the likes of Toys R Us, the likes of Nokia, you know, there's some big organizations out there that were king of the hill. They were absolute the top of their, um, their marketplace, and they didn't feel the need to truly innovate what they did um, outside of the box, thinking outside of the box with what they're doing. And so they become complacent. And because no organization is living in a, in a real bubble, they can think they're living in a bubble, and think that if everything's working fine, then it doesn't matter what's happening outside. Um, but what happens is time catches up with them and um, competition overtakes. So the first thing that I will do if somebody's, if a senior manager is interested in embracing CI is I will ask them to think outside of their, their organizational's bubble and say, right, who are your competitors? where are they as far as market shares concerned? Because even if they only have a small market share, if you don't embrace continuous improvement and they do, in reality, what's going to happen over uh, even a relatively short space of time as they become better at what they do, as they engage their people um, their people will be more um, loyal to their, to their, uh, their business as they engage the people, they will tap into knowledge that's hidden. Um, they'll be able to get shorter lead times. They'll be able to increase capacities, react quicker to customer demand. And slowly they will um, approach and take over market share. And history is full of this. And so when a senior manager is open to the idea of maybe thinking about CI or thinking about doing something different, that's where I will point him. I will point or him or her. I will point them to their competitors and to their marketplace because 
I tell you what, Raphael, I don't think any company can survive without some continuous improvement engine working inside their organization. I think there can only be a flash in the pan without it. Well, I, I agree with you. And I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right is, is if a, a person wants to embrace it, but they're coming into the roadblock of, hey, my boss or someone in senior management doesn't uh, support that, what perspective can I provide that will show value, right? To show value to the, this effort. And I think you hit the nail on the head is, is how do I provide that perspective? Either in, in my experience, it's always been, especially with senior managers, like how much one is, how much money or opportunity, opportunity are you leaving on the table? I think that's one way to provide the perspective through the data, for the data part. This is where we're at. This is our objectives based on, on the market. Like you said, the market, and this is the opportunity. Either it's money on the table, it's revenue, whatever it may be. I think that's one way to provide perspective. The other, the other thing, do you think um, um, uh, the cult culturally, when you talk about, I think you mentioned the engagement. Do you think that's another way to provide perspective you mentioned uh and, and you're i think you're right is is there's a lot of things that happen when you embrace ei right you get uh, uh an engaged culture you get some uh, you get some increase in output there's something that happens within all that organization now do you think in off in 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 talking about culture, do you think talking about that offers a different perspective for that senior manager? I th I do think that it does, and I think that the um, w w when you get team involvement in continuous improvement uh, activity, then initially um, it, it's it's the soft stuff, you know. And initially, cultures may be treated as the soft stuff, the fluffy stuff. And because businesses are very much like you've got to make the, the, the dollar, the pound, the euro, the yen, whatever the currency is, you've got to be able to, you know, get that, bring that company into some profit place or grow its profit. Or, you know, I think that primarily businesses are very financially focused, but most businesses and organizations are strongly built around people and when you embrace ci the byproduct if it's done correctly is huge absolutely huge people involvement and team involvement and the other thing is that what i talked about at the at the beginning it's that magical um words cross-functional because when you bring people together and you bring and those people that are brought together are cross-functional you break down the barrier of us and them so whether that is us and them it's sales and operations whether that us and them is middle management and shop floor or senior management and middle management or senior management and shop floor the minute you make cross-functional teams you break down barriers of us and them and the power of that initially is is just is a good feeling so when an organization's um doing this in the beginning it, it just feels good 
But the, I think, well, I, I've seen and I believe that the power is long-term. When you're six months into a CI program, 12 months into a CI program, the people that have been working together, they are thinking differently about their, the business they work for. Um, they think differently about their co-workers. They think differently about managers. They understand difficult decisions that are being made because they're involved in problem solving. Um, and when it's done really nice and the celebration comes in, because every time you win, you should celebrate. And I've seen some amazing examples of how businesses celebrate continuous improvement activity from simple things like at the end of whatever it was, a value stream mapping exercise, a Kaizen, um, it, it could be some PDCA exercise, whatever it is, a Six Sigma project. At the end, the smallest thing I've seen happen is there's a cake on the table. Everybody's clapping and uh, applauding each other's right, right. great work. But right all the way up to, I've actually participated uh, in an amazing celebration where, um, where we, we went out and played bowls. So the whole CI team that was working on a problem, at the end of the, the um, at the end of the event, we were all invited, and you know everybody accepted the invite. And this is a that's quite a big culture thing because if you're not running CI in your organisation, you try and get cross-functional people from your business to come together outside of work hours. You try and do that, and I and I would say you'll find it almost impossible to do now when you get them working together as a team and they and they achieve some amazing results and they always will if it's like say if the ci work is done right they'll achieve the results and at the end of that when you say to them how do you fancy all coming together to i don't know to go and have a meal or to go and play bowls or to go to a park or go to the cinema or do whatever go paintballing or something then I would expect a high level of yes, please. And that is because you're building this um, comradeship, team, and uh, a, a, a feeling of being part of a team. And the more you do that, the more powerful your CI engine becomes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you said that correctly, is the byproduct is the culture improvement. Yeah, that's what happens. And one of the one of the exercises that I work with, uh, especially at the manager senior manager level, I would say, hey, let's go walk around and ask employees just simple questions. What's the goal? What's the plan? What are what's your what's the common issue this week that you're fixing? And before CI, they would employees would say, I don't know. I they would say they would say I don't know quite a bit. And and what we talk about is, we would say, you know, what I ask is, why do you think that's happening? And again, the senior manager would say, well, it's because, you know, we don't, you know, our goals are, are strategic or whatever it may be. But, and you're, I think you're right, is that if, if teams break down those silos, then an employee could have answered, hey, boss, my goal is this. Our objective is this. I know what I need to do or what I need to contribute. And this is the one problem we're fixing this week. So that's when I, when I explain the difference of, of an engaged culture in lean and continuous improvement, you get a lot of good answers and a lot of common answers 
not maybe it's not the not like all very consistent, but at least employees know that hey, we've got this one thing we're fixing because we talk about it and it's part of our lean culture or continuous improvement culture. And 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 you're right, it's a byproduct of lean is employees knowing what needs to be accomplished, and and that's a good way of looking at it. Now, hey, Paul, just just out of curiosity. Do you, do you go, I mean, when you go shopping, when you go out and about, do you ever go look at things to go, hmm, that could be better? All the time. <laughs> All the time. All it doesn't, time. you know, you know, you know, it, it's, you're absolutely right. And, and, and with that, with that, with that thinking, what would you advise someone that wants to get into this type of work? Um, I think that the easiest way to get into this type of work is to if i mean if you're if you are actually working in an organization that's not doing this at all you need to leave that organization and go and find a business or organization that is embracing ci and and once you're working in a company that's that's, that's doing ci then be, be bold and put your hand up and say i'm loving this i want to get involved because the only reason that i that I'm where I am today is back at 2007 when the question was asked, who wants to help us launch this thing in the, in the Derby plant, my, my hand went straight up. Now, if I had not put my hand up and put myself forward, I would, I have no clue where I would be, but probably I would not be doing anything to do with continuous improvement. So, and that takes, that takes a lot of courage though. That does take a lot of courage in putting yourself out there and failing at times right there's times that we fail and it doesn't work but the idea is that we keep trying yeah yeah i i, I guess you could say that it takes all the courage it did i didn't feel very brave when uh, when i put my hand up I, I, the only thing i felt was um almost like it was a very impulsive thing i recognized that i, I was i wanted to do this i liked what it was and, 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 and there were people at the side of me who just did not put the hand up and, and have never got involved in it. I don't know whether that, you know, I don't know if they regret it or whether it was just one of, maybe they don't actually put the hand up to things regular. I don't know. Um, but, but for me, I think if somebody else wants to get into this, you've got to start, like, I, I don't believe that you can start other than being in an organization doing it. You, you, you know, you know, if you wanted to be a, if you wanted to be a rock climber, then the last thing you're going to do is go and buy some rope, get yourself kitted up, and start climbing up a mountain. You need to to start with the basics and get yourself in a group. You know, I'm sure that there's groups all over the world that will teach you how to do rock climbing, and you've got to go and be with them, learn the basic stuff, how to do the basic knots, use the rope in basic ways. I, I'm not a rock climber, so I have no clue. <laughs> if it's the you know it's the ideology that i'm coming up with is that whatever you want to do and if ci is what you want to do you can't do ci on your own you know um i'm i would say i'm i'm useless without a team so when i go into an organization there's a, a company that i'm working with actually next week and um we're we're starting off with some pdca uh, practical problem solving training and um I'm going to have a team of 10 people in this or this business 
and I'm going to teach them the PDCA method, which is a nice simple method for practical problem solving. But at the same time, I will give them, I will have two or three problems from their real business. They'll bring, give it me in the morning and I will have them split up in teams and focus on them problems using the tool. So teach them the tool, but in parallel, let them practically use the tool. And I think that's what CI is. You can pick this hundreds of books that will teach you how to do CI, but until you have got your hands dirty in it, until you've, you've walked the walk, I think that there's a massive part of it that can be missing. And the only way you can walk the walk with CI, as you well know, is to actually do it in a, you know, in a facility. And you can do it for free if the business you work for is operating a CI program. And that's, and that's really good advice. I think uh, some of my audiences uh, are learning and want to do CI. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Uh, the other thing is that if, if you have an organization and doesn't have CI, sometimes you have to be, like you said, you have to raise your hand and be that one person. Like, hey, I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll run the program for this department organization. And you're right, get your hands dirty. Get in there and start working those things and, and learning the basics. Because I think, I think the misconception a lot of times, um, especially from senior managers, and especially if someone wants to raise their hand and do that, they immediately want results. Like what's the payoff next week? It doesn't work like that. It has to be, like you said, you have to figure out what the need is get the team together, have the team follow a specific uh, either model or plan or, or program, then essentially once all those things are working together, then you'll see some results, whether it be culture, whether it be revenue, whether it be output. But I think you offer a really good perspective about the reality is if you want to be CI, you have to get your hands dirty. You can't read it. You can't listen to it. You can't look at it. You have to do the thing. Well, Paul, I really appreciate your time. Now, one last thing. Is there anything you want to leave this audience with? Any last questions, comments, or anything that you want to kind of mention in regards to what you do or what you want to try to con uh, convey? Um, probably, uh, the, the last thing that I'd like to leave is a, is a, is a bit of a pitch and the pitch is, um, one of my biggest passions is Kaizen. Okay. So uh, continuous improvement is made up of lots of different things. Um, but my biggest passion is Kaizen because Kaizen are more, when, when I say Kaizen, I actually mean like a Kaizen workshops. So a Kaizen workshop built up of them, cross-functional people from the business, focused on real problems and over the, span, over the span of, say, four days, going through a journey all together and, and delivering a fantastic result. Um, I've facilitated hundreds and hundreds of Kaizen events all over the world. And I have, um, I have a series of videos that I've been creating over the last 12 months and I, they're called, if anybody were to like Google search, I think if you hashtag Kaizen stories, then you'll be inundated with, uh, with these videos. So I would say that if you think you're interested in CI, 
go to Google, go to LinkedIn, go to Facebook, go to any of these places and just search hashtag Kaizen stories. You'll see me go on and basically each story is no more than six to 10 minutes. And I talk about a, a, a particular experience in a particular Kaizen somewhere in the world. And because I've run these Kaizans all over the world, there's lots of different stories. I try to pick out different aha moments for each story. Um, and just like yourself, Raphael, um, I've just, in fact, you have, in, you, you have um, given me the aha moment that, I, that I'm reaching out to people on LinkedIn, reaching out to people on Facebook and reaching out to people on YouTube, but I'm not really reaching out to people in the podcast world. So taking part in your podcast is, um, has pushed me to say, hey, Paul, get yourself on the podcast platform. So what I've done is I've taken those 11 Kaizen stories, ripped the audio out of them and created um, small podcasts based on these Kaizen stories. And I intend to create more podcast material. So, you know, without you realizing, you have, um, you have got me changing my direction a little bit on how I share well, I, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, what, what, just, I, I just, for the audience, Kaizen, can you explain that a little bit? Uh, some people might not understand, well, what's really a Kaizen? What, what's, a, what's it all about? Okay. So basically, Kaizen, in its simplest form, is a Japanese, it's, it's two words, two Japanese words, Kai and Zan. Uh, kai means change, and Zan means either better or good. So Kaizen simply means change for the better or change for the good. Okay. Um, and where Kaizen becomes powerful is that um, in, its, in its rawest form, it's meant to be tiny little changes that an individual makes to continually improve uh, what, what they're doing, either in their work life or their personal life. And where, where, what the, the, the bit that I like is the Kaizen Workshop because Kaizen Workshops takes that and puts it in a team-based world. So, yeah, because, because what, here's the thing that I hear a lot. Is, is when I talk to supervisors, managers, they'll say, hey, we have this problem, right? We have this problem, and I hear the same thing across the, across the room. I hear this problem. I hear it from HR and have this problem. But you're, what you're saying is use the Kaizen method to bring those people together for three or four days, right? Um, really focused on this specific problem, right? Take them down that road, create some actions, um, assignments, whatever they may be, then at the end of a period of time, you, there is some incremental improvements. Is that absolutely uh, okay? Good. That, that I think that's uh, I, I've participated in quite a few, and I want to make sure our audience understands that it's it's really a dedication of time to fix a problem that's been in your organization or in in, in the process, whatnot. And guess what? It gets fixed because my my experience, and you've probably seen it in your Kaizen stories. There's people like, wow, we got this fixed. We work together. I like this team effort. And, and you know what? That's, that's contagious. That really is. And I think to your story earlier, the byproduct is, hey, Sally, I never knew Sally. I never knew she had three kids. I never knew she had a dog that we had the same dog. Or it creates that really good environment amongst team members that never knew each other in that way. So good. I like that. I like that. Well, Paul, I really appreciate your time. I think our audience is 
well aware of now more aware of what CI looks like from your perspective. And here's the thing about what I appreciate what you're doing is you're just providing a different perspective. And as you well know, CI is about, like you said, perspective uh, from different levels of managers. And I think you do a really good job in communicating those things on social or even on the Kaizen stories. I think, I think those are great um, videos that people need to see and go, oh, I can do that. What if I do that in my organization? Let me reach out to Paul to see how he can help me do a couple of these things. And that's what it takes. Like you said, it takes someone reaching out to you, me, or someone in that field to go, you know what? I need help to raise their hand and go, I need help. I can do that. Let me try it. But no, I, I, I totally agree with you, Paul, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, thank you for being on the Change Your Mindset podcast. It's been and, my pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will continue uh, having conversations later, but nonetheless, have a good day. I thank you. And you. Cheers, Raphael. Bye-bye.